Right, so why were you arguing with me that whole time? Because it was funny to get you worked up. You're the most annoying piece of shit person I've ever met in my life. I cannot do a whole fucking series of this shit. I hate you. But I got it right, right? Yes! I don't know why you had to argue with me. Like, I'm so mad now. All right, let's take a break. Have you seen the new logo yet? Yeah. Do you know what that symbol is? No. Cool. Well, I think Kate has finally earned her producer credit considering she made the logo and took over running social media for us because we were bad at it. I don't think that's what producers do, but I also don't know what a producer does, so that's fine. I think they edit, but I do that, so. Producers produce. Well, how do you produce? You produce. Like, I didn't think anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to get it over with before we started. It was hiding. All right. Anyway. R- rules of threes. That's the last burp that I'm leaving in this podcast. I can't just, like, start recording and all of a sudden I'm, like, I'm in it. You know, I'm never in it. It takes me a while. I always start out really grumpy. I'm really grumpy today. Honestly, I... Just finished watching the episode 40 minutes ago. So this is as fresh as it's going to get. It's fresh. I watched it last night, which is the longest it's taken me to prep. So I feel like I'm just slowly getting worse. That's great, considering we're only five episodes in and we haven't even released anything yet. Yeah. At the time of recording, we will be launching in a couple days. Are you actually going to launch it next week? Assuming nothing goes wrong. Well, one could say that this whole thing is wrong. So anyway, (laughs) welcome back everyone to Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren. And today we're covering White Rabbit, the fifth episode, and it is a Jack-centric episode. Yay. (laughs) Still don't like Jack, not even after this episode? Actually, I didn't mind him in this episode. I kind of fell for him. It's two not, in a row. Hold on, let me let me enunciate. Felt for him, not fell for him, because whatever. But no, I mean it was fine. Mm, that's two in a row that Jack didn't bother you. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Let's start off with the quick bits today. Uh, number one, this episode features the first survivor death that was not from the initial crash or from succumbing to a wound from the crash. The white rabbit that Locke refers to in the episode is titled after is a reference to Alice in Wonderland, a story that will go on to be referenced a couple more times throughout the length of the series. The tennis shoes that Christian is wearing on the island as Jack chases after him are the same shoes that were seen in the pilot episode when Jack ran through the bamboo forest and a tree was in the jungle. A tree? A shoe was in the jungle. And the big speech scene at the end of the episode inspired a tattoo that I want to get. Really? Oh, let me guess. Let me guess. If we don't live together, we're going to die alone? Yes. It's kind of like the show's like most iconic line. Interesting. All right, Lauren, hit me with a synopsis. 
Oh, fuck. I didn't plan this one. You get two sentences. I'll give you three. I am the queen of a run-on sentence. I can fill this whole podcast one sentence. Okay, let me... Uh, okay. In this episode, we are faced with a water shortage. And Jack is faced with his demons. Semicolon. Which are that he keeps seeing a man, which we later find out to be is his dead dad. And he's chasing that motherfucker around the island. And Claire faints. And we're still only on one sentence. But that's pretty much it. Good. Period. <laughs> one sentence. Did it. What were your overall, like, what would you give the, the episode as a rating? Like, before we, like, really get into it. I'd give it, like, one and a half thumbs up. Out of how many? I'm not done. One and a half thumbs up, three stars, and two airplane leaves. If you were to give that a letter grade. <laughs> G for, gee, that was an okay episode. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know, it was fine. All right, let's move into the episode then. So we start off with uh, what is like a 10-year-old fight club. Jack's laying on the ground as uh, another kid is just getting his shit rocked. One bully tells Jack to stay down, but Jack tries to play hero and then gets knocked the fuck out. They didn't really try very hard when casting that bully. That was the worst acting I've ever seen. It was one scene. Probably just saw like one of the producer's kids or like, quick, get in here. That's exactly what I was thinking. Some nepotism happened there because that was not good. Back on the island. Charlie runs up to a uh, daydreaming Jack and tells him that one of the survivors was swept away by the riptide and he can't swim. So now Jack has to be the one to go in and save. I really wondered, was it necessary for Jack to take his shirt off in that scene? I mean, people like to swim without shirts on. Okay. But like, you're about to save someone's life, but he was like, hold on, let me take my shirt off. I mean, I get when you think about it, and I don't know, I've never really swam that far into the ocean, but like every bit of weight counts, I guess. You don't want to tire yourself out. Yeah, but are you really thinking about that in the moment? You're just thinking, get in there. Jack is the most logical guy ever. Is he? He spent the whole episode chasing a ghost. Okay, fair enough. So Jack runs into the ocean and starts swimming out. He dives down and pulls a drowning boon out from under the water. Boone asks if Jack was able to save the girl who Boone was attempting to save. Jack looks around and sees that another survivor is being carried away. And he swims Boone all the way back to shore before handing him off to the others and then telling them that another person was out there and he returns to the ocean to get her. I had a couple of thoughts in this scene. One, I don't know why, but from the very beginning, when Jack saw this person, well, like Charlie saw this person, I thought that they weren't real, that it was like a trick that the island was playing on them to like kill them or something. I don't know why, because when he saved Boone and then you first you think, oh, there's no one else out there. I was like, oh, the girl isn't even real. Like there's no one out there. And then obviously she was real. Sorry. And then secondly, when they do, he finds Boone and he's like bringing Boone back and the girl's still screaming for help. 
why is everybody else on the beach just like standing there? No one else can swim out there and help. Why is it just Jack? From a logistical standpoint, no idea. From a show standpoint, like they had to put the death of her on Jack's shoulders. Obviously, obviously. But I'm saying, why well, then, is no Why are you asking? If you, if you know the answer from a show's point of view, why are you asking? Because it's not about that. It's about like when they're making the show, they have like the reason Jack had to go in the first place was explained. Charlie said, I can't swim. But what was the reason that everybody else just stood there and waited for Jack to get back? If they had been like, I feel like they needed to make it clear that they didn't realize there were two people out there, which they kind of did with Jack saying there's someone else out there. But I don't understand how they didn't see the other person. Well, I mean, Jack didn't see them. He only knew about Boone. No, Jack saw the girl. He went under the water looking for the girl. He found Boone. He comes up. He looks back after Boone says she's still out there. Then he sees her. And then as he's coming back, you can still see her in the background the whole time, like waving her arms and screaming. So how is everybody on the beach just standing there watching Jack swim back with Boone? And they're ready to receive him, but they don't see the the other girl drowning and nobody goes out there and tries to swim for her. I feel that when Jack immediately turns around and Kate's like, what are you doing? And him, that was them saying like, they don't know. I find it implausible that they did not see the other person drowning. That's just me and probably a lot of other smart people who watch the show. So we come back from Jack attempting to save uh, the woman. And it's a little bit further in the day. Boone is staring out at the ocean and then glares at Jack. Kate runs up to Jack to fill him in on who the dead woman is. We learned her name was Joanna. She was just swimming. She wasn't supposed to be on the plane, um, but she got an ear infection. That is what ended up putting her on Oceanic 815. You know what's interesting about that? Is you're not supposed to fly after you've been scuba diving. It gives you the bends. It could kill you. It's interesting to me that she would have, she bumped her flight, which I'm assuming means that she flew home earlier than she was supposed to. But if she had just been scuba diving, she shouldn't have been flying. I think bumped her flight meant like moved it back. Oh, wait, maybe when bumped the... Bumped up would mean moved up. Well, they didn't say bumped up or back. They said bumped. But maybe they did. Maybe the doctor said you can't fly because of the ear infection and she had to stay extra. Right. Got on. Okay. That's, that's I, what I took it as. I misinterpreted that. I was like, bad doctor. <laughs> so Jack blames himself for saving Boone over Joanna. And he also feels guilt for never speaking to her in the six days that they had been there. Now that you've learned that Boone made it and Joanne, Joanna, or whatever her name is, didn't make it, do you think Jack made the right decision uh, to not attempt to save her like Boone had suggested? Yeah, I mean, there's no, realistically, there's no way that he would have been able to save both of them. He found Boone first. He didn't even realize as he was getting Boone, he thought this is the drowning person comes up with him and then when he sees her he already has Boone and Boone wasn't strong enough to swim back on his own if he had tried to go save the girl they all three would have died yeah I I agree with you 100% I don't really think it's much of a question um but Boone was pretty like I was fine so I thought you know just thought maybe there was a scenario while they're talking Jack sees a man in a suit standing in the water 
And when Jack questions if she saw it, she tells him that he needs to get some sleep. Little into the island life morning routine, Walt's brushing his teeth uh, with the method he learned from Sun in the previous episode. And Michael tells him not to swallow ocean water because it'll make him thirsty. And then Walt is like every other kid and just asks a hundred questions. He only asked one question and I don't understand why they've got all the time in the world. Why can't Michael just explain to him unless he doesn't know the answer, in which case it's okay to say, I don't know the answer. That annoyed me. I'm it's like, salt, right? yeah, it's because it dehydrates you. But the why, you know, he wants to get his, to know his kid and he's like, oh, why doesn't my son want to spend time with me? But then when he asks you a question and you just brush him off. Well, two, two things here. One, Walt questions Michael all the time. And this is kind of him just like showing that they're still at that point where Michael's basically just like saying, fall in line, don't ask questions. And two, it's really just showing you, Michael doesn't know how to deal with kids. Like they ask questions all the time and Michael just doesn't have the patience for it. Yeah, that is true. Sun watches Michael and Walt and Jin realizes that her lips have dried out and that she really needs water. So what we're learning here is camp is running low on water. And it's becoming a problem for everyone. What we're also learning here is I must be severely dehydrated all the time because I'm looking at her lips and I was like, mine looks so much worse than that. Just every day. Do you not just drink water on like enough? I mean, I, I drink water, but definitely not enough. Sun asks when someone will organize the group. And as she fears that rescue still isn't coming, Jin tells her that someone will eventually come and he decides that he will tell her what to do. They still don't need the others. Shannon attempts to buy some suntan lotion off Sawyer as he attempts to read of mice and men. I think it was not suntan lotion. Was it not suntan? Insect spray. I thought it was suntan lotion that contained insect flies. Nope. He said it's insect repellent. You can see it on the thing. And then she said, will it keep the sand mites off? And he said, yeah, even has aloe. Nothing to do with suntan. Why would insect repellent have aloe? Could be soothing. What I'm pretty it? sure I have insect repellent with aloe. I don't know. I heard the aloe and, and the sand fleas, and I just immediately thought, well, you would use that at a beach when you're tanning. So, And Shannon's always laying out, so I just assumed it was suntan lotion. No. It says it on the bottle that he was holding. It was insect repellent. You like to just correct the most minute details. <laughs> You missed the You are literally the king of picking out the tiniest little detail in somebody's argument and arguing that point instead of the main thing. I'm just telling you that in the show. You missed that the guy had legs. It was a traumatic scene. I'm just telling you that in this show that you've watched 50,000 times, you were wrong. Claire and Kate talk about how they've been scavenging through the luggage and neither one of them can find a hairbrush. And Claire nearly faints while she starts to sit down. We learn that Kate is a Gemini and the two begin to bond over astrology and sorting clothes. It's astrology, right? Yeah, but I don't really think they were bonding over it. I think Kate was like completely ignoring her on all astrology topics. What's your sign? Aquarius. Nice. Do you know what that means? I'm also an Aquarius. We're born like 14 days apart. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You are? Yes. Lauren, you're born. I knew we were born close together, but I thought I was like, oh, it's the cutoff the other way. Because I'm like right close to it. Because like other people born in January are 
I think cancer. I don't know. Do you know your other signs, like your moon and your rising or whatever? No. I know that I am a Sagittarius moon and a Leo rising, but I don't know what any of that means. No, not even a little bit. I don't know anything about it. The only thing I know about Aquarius's Aquarii, Aquaripotami. We can breathe underwater. Well, we're an air sign. It's it's a joke. Okay. Anyway, is that we think that we're like original, like we think we're special or different, which I think sometimes could be true about me, but I don't know. I don't really do astrology. Oh, yeah. We'll find out how original we are when after we launch this podcast, we get a cease and desist because there's three other Lost Rewatch podcasts that are doing the exact same thing. But ours is better because we're doing it different. So different. So let's go a little more into the water shortage. Shortage. Yep. I can't speak. I don't know what it is. Jack looks like death. Hasn't really slept or drank like anybody else. And Hurley and Charlie show him that the camp is down to 18 bottles, which is not enough for 46 people. They look to Jack to make a decision, but Jack refuses to act like the leader. So they, Charlie and Hurley decide to hide the water in the medical tent. Do you have any thoughts on Jack refusing to be the leader? You, you have stated in the past, you do not believe Jack to be the leader. The whole time that he was like, why am I the leader? I was like, exactly. Why are you the leader? I was on Team Jack. It's refreshing for you to say that after so long of being Team like Jack sucks. Jack and I were on the same team this episode, and that team was Jack sucks. So we get a flashback of uh, a young Jack telling his father what happened and then receiving a lecture. Jack tells Christian about how his friend was being attacked and he got involved to help. Christian then tells him the story of how a young kid about Jack's age died on his operating table today, but he was able to come home, handle the failure as if nothing really affected him. And he says the reason that he's able to do this is because he has what it takes. He tells Jack that he should not try to be a hero because he does not have what it takes to handle failure. His dad's a dick. Really? Like, what the fuck? First of all, as he's sitting there talking about how he let some kid die today. Now, am I saying it's his fault? No. But, like, he was so blasé about it. He was just like, yeah, whatever. This kid died today. And I don't really care. I came home and I laughed and I had dinner because, you know, whatever. I'm still a capable doctor or whatever. Okay. That doesn't mean that someone didn't die. Like an asshole. And then, how can you tell your 11-year-old? How do you know if your 11 year old is a capable leader, like they're still learning. Why wouldn't you be like, good for you sticking up for your friend. You tried. I agree with you on the, how blase he was. I think Christian had a good read here though. On Jack. He isn't like, he's not capable of letting go. No. Uh, Zane, 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 Zane. Do I think he should have said it that way? Absolutely not. No, but I don't think he was wrong. You, you are wrong. He's not wrong in if he were to say that to Jack now. But the reason that Jack is like that now is because his dad said this to him as a child. Maybe 
Jack didn't show, you know, the traits or whatever as a kid that he was going to be a capable leader or be able to make decisions quickly, whatever. But then when his dad says that to him. No, it's not. He's not saying he's not a capable leader. What Christian is saying is Jack cannot handle failure. Okay. Let me finish what I'm fucking saying, because if you were to let me finish instead of shaking your head at me, then you would understand what I'm trying to say. When a parent says something to you over and over and over, and we can assume just by the way that dad's Jack's dad acts, that he says this to Jack a lot as a child, that forms your thoughts, your sense of self. As you get older, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. The voice in Jack's head is saying, I don't have what it takes. He says it later. I don't have what it takes. It's because that's what he was told as a child. His dad created that in him. Not that his dad just saw it and said it. If his dad had encouraged him when he did fail, here's how to be better next time. Let's work on it. Then maybe he would have been able to deal with failure later on. But instead, his dad just reinforced what he was already feeling, repeated it over and over. And that's where Jack ended up. So what part was I wrong? Because you said Jack's dad is right. But it's not that he's right. Because when you're 11 years old, you can't make those statements. Maybe he couldn't handle failure at 11 years old, but he could have learned to handle failure. That's when you're supposed to learn that. So Jack's dad is, first of all, just a bad dad. He should have helped him handle failure. Because you're making that assumption that Jack's dad was right. Because we, we've watched him not be able to handle failure as an adult. Jack's dad wasn't right about that. Jack's dad created that. All right. Well, let me reword it so you understand what I'm saying. No. Oh, my God. Fine. Go ahead. All right. Moving on. No, I want you to understand that I'm right. First I, of all, it's my... If I, I, I hear what you're saying. It makes sound sense. However, if Jack himself would have been like, my dad's right, I don't have what it takes up until before all of this, why did he become a doctor to prove his dad wrong? He said he became a doctor, not necessarily. I don't know if it was to prove his dad wrong. He said it was the family business. He just felt like he had to do it. That's what you think. Okay. But what I'm saying is anybody with a basic understanding of child development or maybe a degree understands that a parent what a parent says to you as a child creates your inner voice. It becomes that voice in your head. So Jack's dad fostered that in him instead of helping him. Right. I'm just stop. Gonna stop I want to punch you in the face right now. I'm just going to stop talking because I, I'm in, I'm letting everything I know about the series. But listen, it doesn't matter what you know about the series. I think you just don't understand development. Yeah, like, you're, you're probably right. I don't have a degree in it. I know. I'm so why don't you from just a story listen to perspective. me? It doesn't matter. You're going to get slapped. Oh my God. I'm literally going to hold on to this anger until Christmas and slap you across the face. All right, moving on. I'll never let this go. I just don't think Christian wanted Jack to be in that position. He doesn't want it. He's just a bad dad. He doesn't understand that what he's saying to Jack will affect him for the rest of his life. 
I'm, all I'm saying is he's a bad dad. And I never said he was a great dad. I oh agree Oh my with you. God. I, I just, What is I the can't. disconnect here? Because I'm just trying to explain it from a child development standpoint and you're not listening to me. You're like talking I, about. I, the first thing I said was he should not have said it the way he said. It's not about the way he said it. I'm done. I can't, I can't explain it to you. You're never going to be able to wrap your head around it. No, I think I got it perfectly fine. I think you're about to get punched. Yeah. Christian. Okay. Let me, let me take everything you just said and I'll repeat it back to you. And you let me know if I have this back. Okay. Christian is a bad dad. He should not have said what he said the way he did at that age. Had he said it when he was an adult and he was showing these characteristics that may have been appropriate, depending on how he have said it. Telling it to an 11-year-old child who is still developing is reinforcing to Jack at that age and for the rest of his life, depending on how many times he has heard it, that he does not have what it takes. His inner voice is saying he doesn't have what it takes. So in a moment like this, when Joanna dies on his watch and the camp is going through a water shortage and everyone is looking to him, he is thinking back to what his father said. You don't have what it takes. So he doubts himself to be able to be the leader, which is why he's refusing to be the leader. Right. So why were you arguing with me that whole time? Because it was funny to get you worked up. <laughs> You're the most annoying piece of shit person I've ever met in my life. I cannot do a whole fucking series of this shit. I hate you. But I got it right, right? Yes. I don't know why you had to argue with me. Like, I'm so mad now. All right. Let's take a break. Oh, my God. All right, we're back and we're a little more calm and I've and I've apologized and admitted that I'm wrong. Your apology was bullshit. Okay. Apparently we're now a little more calm. Moving forward. Boone tells Jack that he should have saved Joanna over him. He calls Jack a false hero and that no one appointed him savior. Boone reveals that he runs a business which he believes is a qualifying trait for him to throw his hat into the ring about camp leader. Do you think that is a uh, qualifying trait? It might be if Boone wasn't an idiot, but I don't think Boone should be a leader. Jack sees the man in the suit again and decides to chase after him, ignoring Boone and leaving him to throw a tantrum. You're right. Oh, my mic is falling all over the place. Some asshole asked me to move it. Fuck. Richard. <laughs> you know that <laughs> Yeah, I love that vibe. All the time. <laughs> what the fuck, Richard? Fuck, <laughs> it's falling again. I hate everything. You're in a really good mood today. I'm in a great mood. Thank you for Fuck. Got it. Speaking of uh Vine, I had a question for Kate the other day and it kind of sparked a debate. Do you think TikTok has surpassed Vine? What do you mean by surpass? Like, if something God or whatever were to just like appear and say, we will revive Vine in all its glory, but we'll wipe TikTok off the map. You won't be able to rewatch any old TikToks. I mean, I don't know, because here's the thing. I had Vine. 
But all of those popular Vines, the ones that we quote all the time, I didn't watch those on Vine. I watched them on YouTube. Same. So, like, to revive Vine, it wouldn't mean anything to me. Yeah, like, Vines are funny to me, not because of Vine itself, but from watching compilations of just the most random, out-of-context videos that were just funnier one after another. Some of them weren't that funny, but when you put them after like six other funny ones in a row, it just makes you laugh. Yeah. There are some that really aren't funny, but I've watched them so many times that they're just like famous. And so now they're funny. Like the ones that I used to hate, the one where the kid goes hurricane Katrina, more, more like hurricane tortilla. I hate that one, but I love it because it's a vine and it's funny, but I think that the thing about Vine was that there were just like hidden gems. Like there weren't that many. And now with TikTok, it's like, there's so many funny videos. Like there's almost too much to the point where like, if you made recreated a Vine, pretended that Vine never existed, recreated on TikTok, it might not ever even get seen. Or if it did, people might not even think it's funny because it's just going to get lost with all the millions of other videos. So I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. I, th- I think the platform itself, TikTok, has surpassed the platform of Vine. But I, th- I think Vine classics will always be better. That's my yeah, final answer. The platform of TikTok is probably better. But I don't have any like TikToks that I quote trends or like sounds will get stuck in my head. But I don't have like, I have like, a list of 20 vines that I could come up with right now that will always be like the best vines, you know? It's not going to be like that with TikTok because there's just too much content. You make some good points. So Jack runs away and Boone throws a tantrum. Jack follows the man into the jungle. We finally see him up close and Jack falls to the ground in fear as he realizes it's his father. I'm surprised he didn't recognize him from far away. I think he did. And that's like what was like shocking him so much. And it wasn't until like he like saw him within five feet that he's like, yep, that's definitely my dad. Yeah. So like confirmed it for him. Yes. Also, that's him kind of just going like dad. Yeah. It's more of a question. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, why are you here? You're not my dad. God, here we go. This is just going to become a Vine quoting episode. Anything I can relate back to a Vine, it's happening. Is that even a Vine? I think that might just be like a funny video. I think that was a Vine. I thought it was a Vine. I don't remember. Speaking of dads, what what else comes with dads typically? Sometimes, not always. Moms. (laughs) I had no idea where you were going with that at all. It was... I I lost track of where we were. I thought this was going to be a flashback about his dad. It's a flashback about Jack's mom. Jack's mom tells him that Christian has left and she's tasking Jack to go bring him home. We learn that Jack has not spoken to his father in two months in this point in the flashback and that Christian has lost all of his friends because of something that Jack did. Jack's mom believes his father was right about him. Probably because... It was his self-voice. Yeah, maybe that bitch needs a lesson in child development. Bring her on the podcast. 
And she fears Christian will not take care of himself and that Jack needs to go to Australia to bring his father home. Jack refuses to go, but his mother says, after what you did, you have to. I really want to know what he did. Yeah. Also, this woman doesn't seem like a great mother either. I'm kind of thinking that Jack just had a really loveless childhood. Now you're getting it. No. What do you mean? (laughs) What am I? Fuck off. You're saying that I need to like Jack because he had a bad childhood? No, not at all. I'm just saying that like. What am I? What are you saying? Now you're getting it. Get what? The Jack's childhood sucked. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I think I'm just finding stupid reasons to be mad at you now. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> do you have any, do you have like a guess? Like what he did? I know you have nothing to go off of. No, I don't really know. Some kind of family betrayal, I'm sure. Maybe he wore white after Labor Day. Yeah. Like in, in front of the people in their uh, Hampton house party. Yeah, he showed up to a Even soiree, the- a benefit Wearing his white linens. You used the salad fork on the main course. Now none of our friends speak to us. You gotta laugh so the audience knows it's funny, Lauren. Oh, I sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that funny. I know it wasn't. Back on the island, Jack runs after his father. Knowing everything you know about the jungle, would you do that? No, that's what I was thinking. Like, did Jack just like forget about this fucking monster later? He's just camping at night, like by himself in the dark. It's like, oh yeah, it's not like something is skinning people, right? Yeah. The pilot was like skinned, right? Yeah, it, definitely something happened to him. I mean, monster, polar bear, boar, French people. French people being the worst of that. Oh, I listed them in the order. What order? least concerning to most concerning that's fucking stupid you're saying a boar is more concerning than the giant monster skinning people we haven't seen it in a while i guess last week <laughs> yeah, <you fucking> idiot. <laughs> fucking Christ. so claire faints walt grabs kate with the description of the pregnant lady fell down which just made me laugh even though i don't think it was meant to be funny Charlie, Kate, and Michael take Claire to the medical tent. They attempt to give her some water, but they found that it has been stolen. At this this point, who do you think the thief is? Sawyer. Immediately, I thought it was Sawyer. Because he's been hoarding everything. All right. Now, put yourself in this camp. You find out a thief has stolen all of the camp's water supply. Let's fast forward to the end. We found out who did it. What do you think should be done to them? I don't know. They have to go get more water. (laughs) Look, you can't start punishing people. I I feel like that's a slippery slope. That's fair. But at the same time, though, people are going to start stealing people's supplies. It's going to get ugly. Saeed, Kate, and Locke discuss the missing water and the missing doctor. Locke goes after Jack and tells Saeed and Kate to keep the peace in the camp. We cut to Jack stumbling around the jungle. He's dehydrated. He's exhausted. He's screaming, where are you? And the camera operator desperately needs a tripod because it's shaking so badly. That was making me sick. I hate that style of filming. 
it's pretty bad in the first season. Actually, you know, like the whole series overall, but like the first season's the worst with like shaky cam. I don't any movie or show that does that. It makes me nauseous. Yeah, I think I kind of thought about that because I knew that you like vertigo and motion blur and all that. Yeah, not fun. Back in Sydney, Jack is still looking for his dad and he's in a hotel when he learns from an employee that there's been no sign of him in three days. Witnesses said that the last they saw of him, he was extremely drunk and there's pill bottles and alcohol bottles scattered all over the hotel room. The hotel employee kind of insults his dad a little, not really insults him, but maybe just says like, I think he was too drunk to rent a car. And Jack kind of snaps at him and defends his father. You know, he's the chief of surgery, you know, man of high esteem. That's such a rich white person thing to say. Like the guy was like, your dad's a shit show. Jack's like, he's the chief of surgery. Like, okay. That means nothing to me. That means absolutely nothing to me. Good for you. We still had to kick your fucking dad out of the bar. It's interesting that Jack would suddenly come to his defense. The most recent flashback, he was like talking about how like, you know, he has no relationship with him and now a stranger's insulting him. He's like, uh, check yourself, dude. Yeah. But that's how everybody is about family. Like I want to punch you in the face right now, but if somebody were to talk shit about you, I'd be like, listen, don't talk shit about my stupid fucking brother. You know, so someone's just like, your brother's a douchebag. He has a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you showed him. Did you just fart? No. I thought I heard a fart. <laughs> your laugh is so particular. It sounds like a bird is squawking. <laughs> I kind of have like a silent squeaky laugh sometimes, which is really not uh, conducive to podcasting. Yeah, but editing it, I'm like, both of our laughs are really quiet. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I when I listen back, there'll be like a lull. And I'm like, what happened? And then it like, <laughs> I realize because we're, we're laughing. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, this is not good. People are going to be like, what the fuck's going on? Um, so I was going to ask you if you thought less of Jack because of the way he speaks to his employee, but clearly yes. But like, does the emotional aspect of you or the whole thing just kind of like factor in it at all? Like clearly he's not in a great state, like looking for his dad and you, you know, imagine you're looking for someone you care about and you see the state of that room. Yeah. I think he's just overwhelmed emotional. He's thinking the worst and he's taking it out on this poor guy who works at the hotel. It's not right, but yeah. He's just in a bad spot. Back on the island, Jack continues to chase after Christian's ghost where he sees him. He, I think, attempts to like tackle him or something or at least charges him. Trips, rolls down a hill and nearly falls off a cliff, which that cliff just came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. Good job, Jack. And then it cuts to commercial, leaving us on a literal cliffhanger. I was like, I'm so not used to commercial cuts anymore. Everything I watch is like Netflix and even the stuff that is aired on TV. I don't think shows really do like harsh commercial cuts anymore. Watching Love Island, the UK version, it is so abrupt, the commercial change. It'll just like kind of fade to black for like 
five seconds and then come back in. And it's the same conversation. Like American television, if they do that, it's like someone will say something, you get a couple of reaction shots and then it like, you know, dramatic music. And then it comes back and you're like, Oh yeah, I, I got to know what's going on here. I got to sit through this commercial love Island UK. It's just like, it just suddenly is the commercial break. You probably don't notice it because it's so subtle. I actually didn't notice it. No, no, I've never noticed that. Did you watch uh, stranger things season four? No, no. There's like so many like cut to black moments in the fourth season that I was just like, I can't tell if the Duffer brothers just really love cutting to black for like dramatic effect, or if they're priming Netflix for when they start doing the ad supported version. And they're like, this is where the commercial will be. I don't know. I didn't watch it. We come back from the commercial and Locke saves Jack and pulls him up. Locke is strangely calm, like during the entire interaction. He's just like, take my hand. And finally pulling him up, they Locke asks Jack if he's okay. And uh, like me being asked if I'm okay after an exam, I he Jack just starts laughing hysterically. <laughs> that was weird. It was weird to see Jack like that. Yeah, it was it was definitely like a juxtaposition to like Jack's normal character and like kind of answers the question of like he is not okay. What are you writing down? I'm just doodling flowers. <laughs> I thought you were like taking notes the entire time or something. <laughs> no. Charlie checks on Claire, who has woken up, and gives her some of the small amount of water they still have. He tells her to relax and she ends up thanking him for the water. And Charlie complains about the thief and informs Claire that there's still no sign of Jack. He tells her that Locke has gone out to look for Jack and Claire begins to worry that Locke will get hurt, which will hurt the camp in return. And she will feel blame for the only hunter dying or something like that in search of for help for the pregnant woman. Kind of just like showing her insecurities about her state on the island and how she can't really contribute and everyone's like kind of treating her differently you're making a face yeah because you delivered that boring scene in an even more boring way i know i don't know where i was going with that i know um charlie cheers claire up by making some jokes and reassuring her that rescue is eventually coming and then claire thanks charlie for treating her like a normal person unlike the rest of the camp after the scene, I came around on these two. I remember I was talking about how I thought they were kind of creepy or the pairing was like a little creepy, but I now I'm like definitely still on board with it. Uh, your thoughts on them? I have little to no thoughts on them. Just two dummies flirting with each other. Crack on. My accent gets worse every time. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> Early tells Saeed and Kate that Jin and Son have water, prompting Saeed to begin an interrogation on Sun. He repeatedly asked her where she got the water from, despite Kate protesting that Sun doesn't understand. Jin comes in and yells at Saeed, and Kate, immediately forgetting that they don't understand English, tries to calm the situation down with English and speak to Jin. I don't really know, like, they don't try very hard to communicate with them. Not they at do all. more gesturing or something. I just, it was really funny to me that, that she's like, she doesn't understand you. And then immediately Jin comes in. He's like, 
She's like, look, we just want to talk. It's like you, you just acknowledged that that was not a possibility. Yeah. But I mean, what else is she really going to do? I guess just kind of like remove Saeed from the situation. Cause like, it looked like it was about to come to blows before Jin magically understands what they were asking. And that's what I was more surprised by the fact that he answered. Yeah. But I guess they can kind of figure out what they're saying. And it's not like my guess is he knows some English. Maybe he just recognizes the water bottle. Jin rats out Sawyer and Kate tries to go after him, but Saeed tells her to wait and follow him to his stash. At this point, are you like, knew it, knew it was Sawyer? Um, yeah, I was feeling victorious because I had guessed right. But I think I was actually more concentrating on my hottie of the week. Oh, yeah? It's Saeed. Again? Yeah. Nobody really did anything exceptionally hot, but when he whispered in Kate's ear about how a rat will always lead you to its hole, I was like, that's hot. Hottie of the week. It, it wasn't Sawyer pinning Kate to the ground and making some weird sexual gesture? It was close. But when they're all three together in the jungle, and they're all like, when they find his little hole, that was like, just three hotties being hot. That's all I got from that scene. You wanted that scene to go a different direction. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we cut to Sawyer going to his stash of goodies. Kate tackles him. And then he's like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Flips the, the positions and pins her down. But then Saeed comes in, gets him off of her. And they start to demand for the water. Sawyer reveals that he traded the last of his water for food from Jin and claimed that the water has no value as it's going to rain soon. Or at least eventually. What do you think about Sawyer's trade and barter system? Good for him. It's kind of how you have to do it. Yeah. No, do you no, think he should be like helping camp more? Like shared resources? Probably. I mean, I don't think he has good intentions with what he's doing, but at the same time, that kind of is the way that they have to do things. There's no currency. So he kind of is sharing. Like he's just trading things. He just happens to have everything. So you think this establishes like an, a sense of order, basically? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's doing it in the best way. But he kind of has everything that everybody needs. They know who to go to when they need something. And he's able to keep the stash by trading for something that they might have. So then there's like always a supply of stuff that people need. It's not like he's refusing to give people stuff. I mean, he kind of is considering he wouldn't give her the bug spray when he wanted $5,000 for it. Why are you looking at me like that? Interested by your take. Look, do I think Sawyer's a good guy? No. Do I think he's doing the worst thing? No. So Saeed and Kate leave, but not before Sawyer gives Kate the badge, naming her the town sheriff sarcastically, which is ironic, right, Lauren? No. No? Well, maybe because of the other definition of irony something happening that you wouldn't expect to happen or whatever, because she's a criminal and he's insinuating that she has a position of authority within the camp. So sure. It's irony. I have another moment that I marked down as ironic. I want to see if it's, if you, if you agree, we cut to Jack and Locke talking about the folks back at camp. 
Locke tells Jack that the camp needs a leader, implying that Jack should be the leader. Jack declines, saying he doesn't have what it takes. Again, his inner voice from his father. Locke asks Jack why he's out in the jungle, and Jack tells him that he's chasing after something or someone. And Locke refers to the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland. Jack acknowledges that he knows Christian is not there. And Locke asks him what he would diagnose that as since he's a doctor. You know, hallucination from dehydration or post-traumatic stress or lack of sleep, all things Jack is going through. But then Locke asks, what if that's not the case? I really thought that he was going to be like, because he starts to go in this island is different. Everybody can feel it. I really thought he was going to be like, I used to be paralyzed from the waist down. I was waiting for it. He didn't do it. I was sad. How do you think Jack would react to that? He would either think Locke was lying or he would come up with some doctory reason. It would be interesting to see those two like talk about that. Like of all the people for Locke to be like, I had a spinal injury that paralyzed me. Like, what are the odds that, like, Jack is a spinal surgeon? That's true. Plus, I think there's that, like, juxtaposition of, like, Locke, who is fully thinking, like, this island is, like, a spiritual journey for him. This island is, he says, like, I looked into the, what did he say? The eye of the island. I looked into the eye of the island and what I saw was beautiful. Right. And whereas Jack is so like straightforward, black and white, logical. I feel like these characters are complete opposites. So to see them each give their take on like, it's a miracle I can walk again would be very interesting. I also feel like they're going to butt heads eventually. So Locke asked the question of, or proposes the idea that what if everything on the island that happened happened for a reason? Jack asks what he thinks will happen when he catches up to his rabbit. And Locke tells him that's something that he'll have to figure out on his own, citing that he saw into the eye of the island. Which, do you know what he's referring to when he says that? Yeah, whenever he looked at the monster. Correct. Locke leaves to go search for water and tells Jack that he needs to finish what he started. So, you knowing everything you know about the island in the show so far, whose side do you, like lean more towards logical versus wonder Mm, i don't really know let me reword the question who who do you attract more to character wise locker jack Mm, probably jack but it's hard to say because like we see what lock is talking about he can walk Again, which is crazy. He saw whatever the monster was. Jack hasn't. But I just think me as a person, I would still be looking for like the reasoning, the logical reasoning. I think Locke looked into the eyes of the polar bear king. And the reason he says it's beautiful is because he's wearing a little crown. The... Moment that I was referring to and I said that I thought it was ironic was before he talks about the island being special, Locke says that he doesn't believe in magic. But I think it's like he's magically healed. 
Yeah, but he was saying, I don't believe in magic, but this island is different. I think he's kind of almost saying, I didn't used to believe in magic. I didn't, I wasn't a loony guy coming out of this island. He was just a normal guy. And now he's here. It's kind of giving, what's the word? Credibility. It's giving credibility to what he's experiencing because he's saying, look, I didn't believe in this stuff before we got here, but I see it now and it's hard to deny. He he did talk about destiny a lot, but yeah, he probably was more realistic. Yeah, I mean, I think you can talk about destiny and say what you're meant to do without believing in like magic per se. And polar bears. Yeah. Well, polar bears are real. I'm sure he believed in polar bears. What? We get another flashback. This time, Jack is identifying Christian's body at a morgue. We learn that he drank himself to death and Jack breaks down. As you you would. Do you feel for Jack there? Uh, Yeah, that's sad. Hope to never be in a situation like that. Back on the island, Jack continues to chase after his rabbit. He cries while he thinks about his father. Clearly, like the flashback scene that we just saw was what he was imagining. He hears what was, I think it was like glass or not. It was ice shaking in a glass. Yeah. Which is just, that's, that's the way that your old roommate's dad signals that he needs a drink refill. No, he crunk, he crinkles his can. When he drinks bourbon, he like will shake the glass Oh. or he'll just yell for his son. (laughs) Nice. Why are you referring to her as my old roommate? She's my best friend. Sorry. Best friend. Should we just name drop him? No, she's got to listen to the podcast. Oh, that's true. That's true. No freebies. Jack grabs a torch and chases after the ghost and finds an a opening to a cave. Inside the cave, he finds a fresh source of water in the form of a waterfall. Waterfall. God, I can't speak. He finds some creepy ass dolls. That was I'm not joking. When he saw that fucking doll in the water, I covered my eyes because I thought something scary was about to happen. Yeah, something scary did happen. He found more of them. Yeah, I was like, oh, no. I would have turned tail and ran out that cave. I was going to be like some creepy ass ghost kids or something. I don't know. I don't fuck with dolls. He also finds more debris and luggage from the plane. And the most important thing, Christian's coffin. We get the last flashback of the episode of Jack arguing with an airline employee about Christian's remains being loaded onto the plane. They're saying that, you know, it's not proper clearance, other things, because Jack is rushing it. And Jack literally begs her to let the remains be loaded onto the plane because the funeral is immediately after the flight lands. He says that he needs it to be done. He needs it to be over. He needs to bury his father. I feel like this is not something you could just kind of talk your way through. I'm really surprised that he was able to get the coffin on the plane because how do you just like, Oh, there's not the proper clearances for a dead body to travel internationally. And then, Oh, because he slams his fist and yells at a lady who has nothing to do with it. She's just like the gate agent. She's not in charge. You're right. You're right. 
I, 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 I don't like the description of slamming fists and yelling. Yes, he does that. But like it would, he was like in a very like vulnerable place at that point. And I think, I, I, I think from like a fantasy world perspective, it was like him basically being that like broken, that like was what able enabled it to happen. Yeah. I'm not saying, I wasn't saying slamming the fist and yelling like, Oh, what a dick. I mean, it was a dick move, but I'm just saying realistically, that's not going to get shit done. Right. He'll just be recorded and then called whatever the male version of a Karen is. Yeah. And put on a no fly list. So we cut back to the Island. Jack opens the coffin to find that Christian's body is gone. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. Did any part of you like, oh, no, I'll wait. Cause I I know you have some closing thoughts that you told me. I don't get to know yet. I'll wait to ask you that question. So he does what any reasonable person would do and smashes it to pieces with part of the plane. Um, that was so, no, stop talking. Sorry. (laughs) Am I creepy for thinking that when he was smashing that coffin to bits, I was like, I don't know, man, that looked pretty comfy. Somebody could use that as a bed. I mean, maybe he could have taken the cushions, but I feel like that would be a hard sell to everyone to be like, hey, guys, found this. Even if he doesn't tell everyone that it's his dad's coffin, if he goes like found this coffin, people are kind of like, you know, we might die. I don't want to like tempt fate by sleeping in a coffin. (laughs) Yeah, but... They could have at least used it as like a storage container or something. As opposed to all like the luggage that they have. The coffin's more sturdy. Look, you can never have too many resources. They're on an island. They don't have any resources. They don't need that much storage. They might. They could have stored. It's a little bit insulated. They could have put water in there, like the water bottles or like wood to keep it dry or something. Like, you don't know. Well, I guess they that's not big enough for the wood. But anyway, don't argue with me. Okay. You're right. So what did you think of Jack's like emotional part of this? Like you just covered the logistics, but like What do you mean? What do I think about it? He was emotional. Do you have any like thoughts? About the whole thing? Yeah, the whole journey chasing after the white rabbit. And now it's not there. I have thoughts on that, but I don't, I'm not going to say it till the end. We haven't got to the end yet. All right. Back at camp, Boone attempts to give Claire some water, but is discovered by Charlie. Charlie tosses him into the middle of the camp and exposes him as the thief. Everyone surrounds him as he tries to defend himself. Things are about to get hairy. And Jack swoops in and calms the situation down with the most amazing speech. Was it the most amazing yes. speech? Yes, it was. It was amazing. Yeah. All right. Uh, Gettysburg address be damned. Okay. It's the first speech that came to mind. I couldn't think of a single speech. (laughs) Our wedding toast. Booyah. Yeah. (laughs) If we get 100 followers on TikTok, we will post it. We have video of that, right? Somebody does. Jack tells everyone, tells... uh, what? I don't know why I wrote it down the way I did. Jack tells everyone that they need to stop waiting 
to be rescued and figures everything out. He defends Boone, pointing out that he tried to save one that save someone that very morning, and now you guys are all ready to turn on him. He tells them every man for himself is not going to work, Sawyer, and that they need to start organizing and learn how to survive on the island. He shares that he found fresh water in the caves and he will lead a group to bring water back to the camp and tells the people who don't want to help that they need to find different ways to contribute. He tells everyone they're not strangers anymore and if they can't live together, they're going to die alone. Wow, right. Somebody should get that tattooed. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people have. And for those of you who are following us, may, go ahead and send your lost tattoos to our socials. Our DMs are open. I may just steal them. Just kidding. I won't unless I really like it. I'll ask for permission. But you've been pretty vocal the last couple episodes of how you don't see Jack as the leader of the camp. Has that changed? Yeah, I mean, I guess they forced that down my throat today. It's definitely the leader. Here's what I think. I think that whether this was, a, whether this is a situation where ghosts are real or this is just what Jack's subconscious created, he's chasing his dad's ghost the white rabbit, the white rabbit in Alice in Wonderland leads her to Wonderland, right? Like that's how she finds the hole and goes to Wonderland. I think she continues to see it when she's there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. She, it leads her to Wonderland and then it like, she chases it the entire way. Right. Or at least in the movie. I didn't read the book. Not neither. But Jack's ghost dad leads him to this water source. That's probably going to be, you know, a huge game changer for them a running water source that's awesome and that's kind of been the issue of this whole episode they needed water and jack's ghost dad leads him to the solution i think what it did for him whether it was a ghost or his mind creating this illusion was it gave him the confidence that he needed it led him to the solution and it was basically telling him you do have what it takes to be a leader that's why he was able to come back, take charge, you know, be what the people were basically asking for. This whole episode, they were like, we need you to step up. Why him? I don't know. And there's clearly somebody more capable in Saeed, but whatever. I, but he was I, able to do it. I think the reason Saeed, while I think Saeed would make a great leader and he will have leadership tendencies and things throughout the series. I think he's just more focused on like the rescue part rather than like the day-to-day, like running the camp kind of thing. Yeah. Fair enough. Here, here's like a, here's just a prodding question. Probing question. Sure. Do you think it was a ghost or do you think it was his subconscious? That's hard to say because this Island is weird. There's polar bears and there's giant monsters that we haven't seen. It's hard to say because if it's just an illusion that has led him magically to this water source, or he just happened upon it. I'm kind of looking at it as, as it led him there, but he could have just found it as he's bumbling through the jungle, you know? 
But if it is just an illusion coming from his own head, then he basically cured himself of all of his insecurities, which I don't like that answer. I like the answer that it's something that the island put there for him. That's what I'm going to go with. Do I know if that's the right answer? No, but that's the one I want it to be. All right. And the final little montage scene as we check in with what everyone's up to at the camp. Hurley and Charlie are divvying up the water. Sun thanks Jin for getting her some water today. And he tells her that it's what husbands do and has a little smile. You know, Jin actually seems happy for once. I cannot wait for next episode. Who's the next episode about? It's called House of the Rising Sun. Oh, so sun. Yeah. Michael attempts to give Walt some water, but Walt's sleeping, so he gives it to Vincent. What? I like to think that that water was intended for Vincent the whole time. Yeah, that poor dog. <laughs> I know. Ah. That dog, that dog better get to go on the journey to the freshwater source because my guess is he's been trying to drink out of the ocean, which is going to just dehydrate him because he doesn't know any better. Poor little dog. Yeah. Sawyer asks Boone how it feels to be the most hated amongst the camp. And Boone is unamused by the question. Kate gives Jack some water. They check in with each other. Kate asks him what he was up to all day. And he tells her about his father's death in Sydney. And that's why he was on the plane. She says that she's sorry for his loss. And he says that he's sorry too. And then the episode ends. So uh, the last question I have for you, I kind of touched on it earlier and we didn't really go into it. Do you think Boone should be punished? I know Jack came in and kind of like put a stop to the mob killing him. And like, it looks like just people don't like him now, but like, do you think there should be some sort of like formal punishment for stealing the water and keeping it away from Claire for as long as he did. No, I don't think that his intentions were malicious. I don't think he was stealing the water in the way that Sawyer takes things like just to keep it all for himself. I think Boone was trying to step up and was like, Oh, I'm going to be in charge of the water. But then he just got in over his head and he didn't want to bring it to Claire because he knew he'd get caught. So I think in Jack, just kind of stepping up and being like, all right, this is what we're going to do. People need to take a role be useful, you know, Boone will find his place or Jack will give him a place. You know what I mean? I think he's just a dummy. I think, you know, he's just been through a trauma. I don't think he needs to be punished. He's constantly, I'll give him that as, as sometimes he can be annoying. He is constantly trying to just help in any way that he can. Yeah. He's just trying his best. And I think he's just, he said he runs a business, but him and Shannon clearly come from money. So I think he just doesn't know how to be helpful in a situation like this. Is he anything like Damon? No. No? I don't think so. Damon was like selfish as all get out. Didn't give a shit. Damon was more of a Sawyer. Really? Just selfish. Like, who cares? Broody. Yeah, definitely not like Damon. Hmm. But he was like the hero of that story. I mean, I'm team Damon all the way. I as love a, Damon. As opposed to? Well, it's it's the love triangle of Elena and Stefan and Elena and Damon. Stefan and Damon are brothers. Really? Yeah, and she's originally with Stefan, but then obviously there's some tension between Damon and Elena. She ends up with Damon. In the end, spoiler alert. Now, Elena's the one that kind of looks like Victoria Justice. 
Yeah, Nina, okay. Nina Dobrev. All right, that was White Rabbit. Uh, I feel like you know we got through it. It was a little touch and go there for, <laughs> for the be- in the beginning. I almost canceled the entire podcast. <laughs> Um, but I had fun. This is actually one of my favorite episodes, mainly because of the live together, die alone speech. Um, season one, just so good. Not that episodes are in season one. I think season one is the longest, um, including the three part finale. There are 25 episodes. Holy fucking shit. Oh my God. We're only on episode five. I'm going to die. Maybe we could, you know, start doing it a little faster. We're doing one a week. Yeah. We both wrong. have full-time jobs. I I do not have time to do two a week. Let me tell you that. Speaking of which, uh, normally I would just end it, but this is the last episode that we're going to record before we actually launch it. You know, all, all things going well are going according to plan, but... Are you excited? How do you think this is going to go? Like, obviously we know that it's really not going to go anywhere, but like, we've got a couple followers on TikTok. I've put it about, talked about it on the Reddit. There's been some interest. We know that some of our family and friends are going to listen to it. Are you ready for this to be available? No, I want to throw up actually. I, here's my perfect scenario. The perfect scenario for me is that this gets incredibly popular amongst everybody who doesn't know that I exist. And then six seasons later, when we have completed the podcast and we're millionaires, then I reveal it to my close friends, including Andrew, who lives with me and does not know that I still doesn't know. I hide the podcast mic in the closet when I'm done and I just don't tell him. So, (laughs) so he's not coming to Christmas then. No, he's going to his family. Okay. No, so don't tell him. I won't. I, I want to see how long I can keep it a secret. I honestly probably won't tell him until we have like mild success. I'm not sure what mild success looks like. And if we never have success, then I will just go six seasons without him knowing. It might get difficult, but right now he works so much that he doesn't know. God forbid something happens to you, but just like there's like a huge turnout to your funeral. And there's just like, who are all these people? It's like, oh, those are our loyal podcast followers. Okay, sorry, loyal podcast listeners. You're not invited to my funeral. You, you guys can come to mine, but I, I plan on living to be the age of 52 and then dying. 52? Absolutely. Why 52? It's a prime number. No, it's not. Is it not? <laughs> Are you fucking joking? What's it divisible by? Okay, it's... 52 it's divisible by 26 and two i know know. (laughs) you're so dumb what is the number that i'm thinking of that's it's in the 50s that's prime is it 53 probably because 51 is divisible by 17 right yeah it's gotta be 53 because 54 55 56 57 58 is 59 divisible by something i'm not sure doesn't matter zane's dumb that's all that matters yeah, I almost got through the episode without looking dumb. No, you didn't. I know. Okay, bitches, you know the deal. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. TikTok is the only one that we've posted anything to. Hopefully, by the time this episode's out, we've actually done stuff on Instagram and Twitter. Anyway, 
TikTok at laurengetslost.pod, Instagram at laurengetslostpod, and Twitter at laurengetslost. Our DMs are open if you want to slide in there and bully us or show us your lost tattoos. Or if you just want to say that I'm right in every single argument we have, please feel free to do that. I'll send you $20. Just kidding. I won't do that. You could be talking about we'd be bleeding the money on this podcast. Yeah, I don't have any money. So anyway, rate and review us. Leave us five stars, anything less. And you have to send me $20. Follow us on all the platforms where you find podcasts, even if you don't use it. I want you to make a profile and then follow us. And then you never have to do anything. We'll also give us five stars and tell your friends. Join us next time when we discuss House of the Rising Sun. It's a sun-centric episode. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. Bye, bitches.